With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome to Land Grant Holy Land Uncut. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we bring you uncut audio from press conferences and interview sessions with Ohio State players, coaches, and sometimes various and sundry other figures from the sporting world. On today's episode, we hear from both the Ohio State men's basketball coach, Chris Holtman, and the Ohio State women's basketball coach, Kevin McGuff. The men kick off their season tomorrow, Wednesday, November 25th at 2 p.m. as they host Illinois State. That game can be watched on ESPN. And then the women were supposed to open their season against Akron later that night at 6 p.m., but due to COVID restrictions, that game has been canceled. They will now kick off the 2020 fall season against Duquesne on Sunday at 4 p.m. at the Cavelli Center on Ohio State's campus. Now, before we get to the audio, if you are finding this episode on our website, landgrantholyland.com, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you can hear all of the unique, varied perspectives that you will only hear from Land Grant Holy Land. So, now with all of that out of the way, here's Ohio State men's basketball coach, Chris Holtman. All right, everyone, we have head coach of the men's basketball team, Chris Holtman. We are going to get started with Stephen Helweg. Hey, coach. Uh, but you're glad that this week is finally here and you guys are, are ready to go. Uh, in the last call, you kind of addressed positions one through four pretty, uh, pretty handily, but uh, kind of left some things unsaid about uh, the center position. Just can you give us an idea as you kind of start the season, what you see the minute breakdown will be, uh, presuming maybe Kyle would start there, but also hoping to get minutes uh, from Diallo and, and Key and just individually how those guys have grown and developed, I guess, during the preseason? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, you know, still uh, something we're working through and trying to figure out and, um you know, I think right now, without the benefit of scrimmages and uh, live action against other opponents, it's hard to put a definitive number uh, on minutes or anything. Um, what I will say is I think both Zed and, and Ibrahima will uh, play uh, minutes at that position, and uh, both guys need to be ready to go. Obviously, Kyle, EJ, those four guys uh, will 
uh, will, will play minutes at that position. But I think some of it's going to depend on um, the game, matchups. Um, we've seen some good things out of all the guys. Uh, Zed's done some good things. He continues to get in better shape. Um, let, let me just open by saying uh, a, a couple things, and then I will dive back into questions. Looking forward to uh, getting started here. And as you mentioned, Steve, I'm really grateful to our medical personnel that that have allowed this to, to happen. Uh, I hope everybody is safe and healthy and well out there. Uh, the uh, The opportunity to play games right now in the midst of what we're going through is is a blessing every time we get a chance to do that. So really grateful uh, for, you know, for where we're at. Um, we understand there's going to be some no um, obvious interruptions, but uh, we're excited about uh, continuing to prepare. Listen, I think we've got, uh, we've got two games this week. The first one um, in, in Illinois State is the one I'm, I'm here to talk about today. I think it's going to be um, – a game that is is going to be a really challenging opener. Um, it's a program that comes from one of the best leagues in the country, and um, uh, has uh, they have beaten, I believe, uh, last couple of years South Carolina, Georgia, Ole Miss. Um, they have a lot of returning shooting on their roster, and as well as some some depth uh, on the interior that they've added from uh, from either transfers or junior college. So. Uh, they have some returning starters. Um, certainly, one of uh, uh, we we expect it to be a great challenge, and we expect it to be a really highly competitive game. Um, anytime you're playing a team from the Missouri Valley, I think that's what you have to expect. They're a well-coached, uh, really hard-playing team that's got some really talented players. So we need to have good preparation here these next couple of days. I'm good. Up next, Adam Jardy. Hi, Chris. Um, with uh, obviously the game on, on Wednesday, what needs to happen between now and Wednesday? Like what sort of checks and positive or negative tests and things do you, do you need to undergo? And also uh, Illinois State, like what needs to happen between now and Wednesday so the game does happen? Well, we need both teams need to have um, clean tests these next couple of days. And our, our training staff is is in contact with their training staff, Adam. Uh, in making sure that their tests uh, are are negative, and um, uh, we'll do a test when they arrive on Tuesday, and uh, we'll we'll do a test when they arrive on on uh, on or excuse me uh, Wednesday morning uh, before the day of the game. Um, and my understanding is if if there's a positive test, um, the game will not happen. So. Um, you know, I think understanding that in non-conference that that's a kind of the risk you take if there's a positive test that the game won't happen. Um, but we're optimistic that uh, because of the regular testing that's happening that that uh, we'll be in good shape. And, and is it the kind of thing, do you have communication with them like leading into this week just to kind of see how things are going probably in ways that you wouldn't have communication with teams in normal years? Yes, N not not. Uh, not necessarily here recent, but we when we scheduled the game, which I guess you could say is pretty recent, um, when we scheduled the game, those were some of the conversations we had on the front end, that in order for us to play this game, um, this is what is going to have to happen. This is the Big Ten standard. Um, so we have, we have had those conversations with 
every non-conference opponent. Up next, Patrick Murphy. Hey, Chris. Uh, You've addressed a little bit, um, you know, team meet needing to be flexible, needing to realize that that games could be postponed or, or canceled or whatnot, um, and you're starting to see that already. What impact does it have that these guys have seen other sports, the football team, professional sports, kind of go through this already? Um, you know, the NFL has had to move games. Obviously, the football team had a game canceled the fact that they kind of have an idea of what this is like, does, does that help at all for them to understand, okay, this is, this is kind of the new normal for this year? Yeah, absolutely, Patrick. I think that they, they understand that's the expectation that those things are going to happen in a season like ours. I said last time we were together that we're going to schedule 27 games. Uh, we'd love to be able to play 27 games, but um I'm not necessarily optimistic that that's going to happen. I think there's going to be um, uh, things that are going to happen, uh, whether it's your team or, or the team you're playing, a non-conference or conference. But, um, yeah, I think it helps them kind of observing what has happened really outside of the NBA bubble, right? Every league has had interruptions, um, and I'm sure that will be continue to be the case. So they're aware of that. But, uh, you know, after 29 practices, they're hoping that they can compete against somebody else uh, instead of their teammates. I think they're ready for that, and hopefully we can provide that opportunity for them. Up next, Bill Landis. Hey, Chris. uh, Will Musa be available for the game on Wednesday? He'll be a game time decision, Bill. But uh, you know, we we he's making progress. Uh, We've been able to get him in more live. Uh, live work, but uh, it'll ultimately be a game time uh, game time decision with him in terms of his availability and the amount of minutes that uh, we feel comfortable he can play. And uh, the, the last time uh, you did one of these calls, you, you talked about Justice's uh, versatility, specifically on, on offense, I think you were talking, but um, I, I guess I don't know how to ask this without being a little, uh, or I have to ask it delicately, delicately, I guess. He did not come from a program that played a ton of defense, um, how you've never, how, you've never been known to ask delicate questions, Bill. Yeah, so that'll be a first. Yes. Um, how is justice coming along defensively for you guys? Cause it seems like he's going to have to be a really important piece to your perimeter defense. Yeah. You know, I think he recognizes that, uh, that, uh, his experience in a lot of ways helped him at his, as a previous institution, but, um, you know, there were some things lacking in, he would take he would take personal accountability and his his effort on that end, um, and it was a different system. They they played a lot of zone, but um, it, it does need to be a real growth area for him. There's no question that he's got to continue uh, to grow in that area. Uh, he's done some good things. He really has. I think he wants uh, to have the reputation of a versatile defender. I think he understands uh, that is always the part of a really good player. And um, I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's the first kind of place you begin with, with players. Do they care on that end? And uh, he's shown that he cares. And now his technique just needs to continue to improve. And uh, he's shown real good signs of that. Up next, Whitney Harding. 
Hey, Chris. Um, you've talked about how everybody used to be flexible um, and other programs, teams have done this. I asked Coach McGuff this same question. It's one thing to say all those things. How are you seeing the guys' mental health and how are you guys helping them kind of stay upbeat, you know, stay focused on what you can focus on? Because it's so much easier said than done. Yeah, it is, Whitney. There's no question. I think it's um, it's that's true for all of us right now, but our responsibility as coaches and a coaching staff is, is to our players and making sure um, that they are um, responding to those things the right way. And I think as much as anything, you want to have open dialogue and uh, you want to, you know, we had a really open dialogue about last week about uh, parents not being allowed to come to games. And uh, I actually, followed back up the day after we talked about it because the news that I got was was right before practice and I felt like I didn't probably give it the necessary conversation that it needed um, um, among our group so I circled back the next day and kind of asked them you know what their reaction to it was and how did they feel I guess I put on my amateur psychologist uh, hat there for a moment and uh, so I think in the midst of all those things, yeah, you're just trying to have really open dialogue with them. And uh, they were disappointed, uh, but uh, they, they've moved on here quickly. They hope that at some point uh, that that'll change and they'll be able to get their, their parents to come see and play. With regards to now basketball, um, how are you liking your, your guard depth? Because you guys have gotten a little bit more recently. And how is that position looking um, heading into this first game? Well, I'm anxious to see, you know, I'm anxious to see a lot of things. Um, and like I said, we have, we have a really good opponent in which we're going to get uh, to learn a lot about our group. So I'm anxious to see um, what our guard depth looks like. And outside of Jimmy, uh, is that Justin, Gene, who are we playing at some of those positions um, behind the one and the two? Uh, so I, uh, I'm looking forward. I think we've seen some good things in practice, but again, it's, it's been against each other. Um, we've also seen, I think very much we are a work in progress. We've got guys who are uh, playing different roles and new roles than what they did last year, expanded roles. Uh, we certainly have some new, uh, new, new guys that were uh, integrating into our, our rotation. So I think much like a lot of teams right now, we're a work in progress here this early in the season. Thanks, Chris. Sure. Up next, Brendan Gulick. Hey, Chris, nice to talk to you. I have two questions for you. Uh, the first one is about preparation for a, a game here this week. Can you discuss maybe some of the challenges in trying to get ready for a team that you don't have film on when you didn't have preseason scrimmages and exhibitions, um, and, and maybe you just don't have the body of work to, to go off of as you might, you know, in, in January? It's a great question because it is a challenge. And uh, th those scrimmages tell you so much early in the season. You remember last year, I think we learned a lot, both in the first and the second half, because they were two very different halves uh, at Louisville in that scrimmage. Uh, the exhibition game, uh, you know, told us a lot. So I think it, what it does is, you know, as a coach, it presents a little more, um, a little more anxiety going into your first game against a good opponent. Uh, what adds to that now is 
uh, they have uh, a lot of different personnel. They certainly have some returning. They have a couple uh, really good guards returning um, that were a significant part of their rotation last year. Uh, but just the number of new faces that they have, whether it's they have a terrific junior college guard as well as some uh, some big junior college bodies that are coming in. Um, so I think some of those unknowns um, present uh, present an interesting challenge. I think we'll have to make some uh, adjustments as we learn more about their personnel in the course of the game. And my second question is is maybe a little bit more big picture. Um, I'm, I'm kind of making a, a cross-sport reference here. So Brian Hartline tweeted after the Saturday football game how proud he was of his guys because most fans don't really understand what a college athlete has to go through. Um, in another example, there, the Joey Galloway said about the Northwestern football team that he thought they were a bunch of fighting Reese Davises. And there's, there's all this outside noise that maybe people don't have an appreciation for. And so in a time of year where there's a lot of prognostications, where there's lots of polls and things are being written and said left and right, how do you keep your guys kind of narrowly focused and, and not paying so much attention to what's being written or what's being said on social media and things like that? Because there's an awful lot of it this time of year. Yeah, well, good good for Brian. I, I saw that and, and uh, completely agree with, with his comment in the direction he was going. I think it was his way of really acknowledging um, the significant pressure that athletes – at this level, and obviously him being a terrific athlete himself, um, the amount of pressure um, that athletes go through at this level, and certainly uh, on the stage uh, that that they're on, that teams are on at this level, I think the conversation um, really needs to happen. Uh, it, I, let me back up here. I think that conversation about limiting your consumption uh, from outside from the outside is one that uh, we've had with our team uh, in the off season, and I think you have to really um, challenge your players to make sure they understand where they're finding their truth and who they are as players and and who they are as people and. Um, I think there are really good sources in each player's life of truth um, and honesty, and you hope that they're consuming um, that more than anything else on the outside. And that takes discipline for all of us, players, coaches, um, because I think when we do consume the appropriate truth from those people that we really value their opinion, what it does is it uh, helps us grow and it brings great perspective. Um, and when I've um, went counter to that is when I felt myself lacking perspective the most. So we try to challenge our players with having great discipline in that area, knowing uh, in today's world, there's a lot of noise. Thank you. Up next, Tim Hall. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Tim. I was wondering uh, if you could layer on top of what Adam was asking earlier. You mentioned if there was one positive for the other team that, that a game wouldn't happen. I, 
is it is this sort of the same like a building off what the Big Tens? Uh, I mean, what the COVID policy for football was? Where is that going to be the norm? If it's one positive for anyone on either team, is is a game going to be off? Do you, can you speak to that at all? Well, <clears throat> I'm assuming I'm allowed to say that. I'm. I'll probably get a text if I if I wasn't. Sorry. But, um, no, no, you're good. No worries. Um, as far as I understand right now, Tim, um, because teams are under different testing protocols, um, that is really a non-conference um, uh, decision. Uh, so conference games will will be different, and because we're in regular. Um, testing as a program ourselves, uh, I don't believe that that would necessarily mean that uh, our game would be off if we had one test, positive test on our side. I think it all involves contact tracing, as you're well aware of, and uh, limiting the spread and the concern about that, which I totally understand and respect. Um, but because the, the NCAA's uh, minimum is, is three tests a week, um, uh, I believe that's why the, the Big Ten put that policy in place. Okay. I hope I'm making sense there. Yeah, no, I was I was just wondering because obviously there's there's way less players on a basketball team. If it's if it's along the lines of that same sliding scale with percentages, that would mean it it clearly it takes way, you know, fewer positive tests, correct? It it does. And um uh, I don't want to get into the specifics of all that, but um yeah, I understand your point. Thanks. Up next, Stephen Means. Hey, Chris. Um, hey, Stephen. Now that you can talk about now that you can talk about the the twenty twenty one class with Michi coming in in January, um, and given that we're in a pandemic and he's not necessarily around you guys right now, when he gets here, is there any protocol or anything he has to do before he's clear to just start practicing and start doing stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's going to be completely with his uh, health in mind right now. He'll have um, uh, a specific protocol that, that uh, we'll need to follow with him in terms of returning him or, excuse me, starting him uh, to practice. Uh, it'll include a full comprehensive physical and really review of where he's at physically uh, because it's unique uh, in in adding someone to your roster at this point and then um, eventually into games, I think the biggest thing for us with Michi is to think uh, long-term and what's in his best interest long-term. And what's in his best interest is uh, uh, to be really deliberate and smart about how we uh, get him into regular consistent practices and ultimately into games. So there will be a protocol to that. COVID adds to that, but even outside of COVID, uh, we would, we would want to be sensitive to just kind of where his body is at physically right now. And uh, you know, we do the same thing with our guys in the summer. You know, we wouldn't throw our guys when they get here in the summer, right into a full scale practice. It wouldn't be in their best interest. So uh, we'll be uh, what I believe is smart about that and uh, we'll be in great consultation with our medical team. And then from, from right now with the guys who are here, it's a lot of versatility, as you've talked about multiple times. 
You guys went small at times last year, but it was never really with EJ. Do you think you could go small and have EJ Liddell playing the five with what's around him on his team? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know. You know, you could call it the five, I guess. Could he guard the five some? Um, sure. Um, you know, I think it depends on some of our other guys and, and maybe the length that we have at different spots on the floor. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, EJ is a, a, a big guy that I think is continuing to learn how to play uh, outside. He's played inside most of his life and shown a great ability to do that. Uh, so do I think that um, it would be smart and the best use of him to exclude him from being a guy that plays uh, that way? I don't think that I don't think that would be in his best interest. So um, I think we'll continue to utilize him at different spots. And if that means he's playing kind of as a power forward and guarding some of those guys, then he'll do that. Up next, Colin Hassel. Hey, Chris, you would, you know, you mentioned a couple of times about you know, defense being, you know, either your biggest concern or one of your biggest concerns. Is that, you know, is that more so coming from a coach who just hasn't seen a game or an exhibition or anything? Or is that something that, you know, you you lost Caleb, you have some injuries on the wing, and that's a legitimate, like, concern for you as you as you near Wednesday? No, it's real. Yeah, it's real. Um, I, I think it's – we diagnosed that early on is uh, something that, that we are going to be challenged with this year. Um, I think people forget – how, how much growth uh, Caleb uh, took in uh, that third year and how, how tremendous he was at covering up spots around and protecting the rim, uh, different than what you would think a rim protector, but terrific in, what, um, in, in walling up, uh, being in the right spots, uh, talking the game. And his brother was terrific, to it, uh, terrific with it as well. Um, so I, I think I think the loss of those two two guys um, uh, presents a significant uh, challenge for us. And um, our defensive numbers as a whole were really good last year. Our numbers were terrific. They weren't as great in league play. Uh, some of that was the league had one of the best defensive years in the history of the program, or excuse me, history of the Big Ten. But um, I think it's an area of, of uh, that we have to continue to get better in, that we are challenging uh, our guys with. We've got to coach well and play well um, to, to be a good team. There's no question about that. I know. I remember, you know, Dwayne had talked a little bit in the offseason about how much better he wanted to become as a decision maker. And, and, you know, when he was saying that you guys hadn't started practicing yet, now that you've seen, I think you said, 29 practices, where is he – in that growth and that development since, you know, he's obviously going to play a, play a huge role in that end of the court view. You know, he's, he's made progress. I think he's, uh, we chart assists and turnovers every day. Um, I think offensively for him, uh, that area is something he's really focused on as well as his two point field goal efficiency, which are both areas that have to really grow and improve. And that, that involves decision-making. Um, bottom line, that involves decision-making. I know he, he's shown real progress in practice. Again, I'm anxious to see once we play in games where, uh, where that's going to get. But I know that's, that's been on his radar along with, 
you know, him being a guy that we can count on consistently on the defensive end. And just quickly, do you have an update on where Seth is and do you have any sort of timeline with him? Yeah, making progress. Um, I couldn't tell you right now when we think uh, uh, he'll be ready to go in game action. He has done more in practice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've begun to add him uh, into some live action, but uh, uh, I couldn't give you a timeline right now. Thanks. All right, guys, we still have a few more questions, so let's limit it to one, please. Up next, Dom Tiberi. Is Dom on mute? He's done this before, I think. Dom, you got to unmute. I think you're on mute, Dom. That's normally what coaches are saying to me, my staff saying to me when I'm talking to recruits. Okay, we'll come back to Dom. Um, up next, we'll go with Tony Gerdeman. Chris, you mentioned anxiety that comes from not knowing uh, or not being able to see your opponent. Not being able to see your team against other teams yet. Do you have more anxiety about your own team or the opponent this week? Yeah, you know, I think as a coach, it's it's both. I, I'm excited for our group. I'm excited that it's a game that's going to really challenge us in a lot of ways. And, you know, you schedule games like this. If you look at their history of uh, net or RPI, however you look at it, um, because of the league they're in and the success they've had, um, it's always really good. Um, always really good. So uh, I, think, I think both. I think you're uh, anxious to see in this environment how your team responds um, without fans, all the stuff that's going on. And then I think you're, you're anxious to see how we respond to, to uh, playing a really good team. So I think it's, it's those things. Up next, Patrick Murphy. Yeah, Chris, uh, just wanted to get your reaction to Caleb uh, not getting drafted and then Jay Sean signing with, with the Rockets. Obviously two different things, but, but guys you worked with. Well, Caleb, in, I, I, there's no question in my mind that Caleb can and will help an NBA organization. And get, not getting drafted, I think what most people understand now, uh, can often be a, a better situation for young players because they get an opportunity to find – uh, a team that really does value their specific skill set. Uh, there is no question in my mind that Caleb is going to really add um, his his game, his skill set to to an NBA organization that wants him. So I'm excited about that, and have, have been in touch with uh, uh, his his family the last couple weeks. And you know, they were given indications that it could potentially go down this road uh, leading up to it, but he's in a really good place right now. As far as JT, uh, listen, I, I don't have to say to anybody listening to this call how special of a player and kid uh, Jay Sean Tate is. 
Uh, he embodies so much of what you want in a competitor, uh, a teammate. Um, he has taken a path that if you and you, you go and you look at NBA rosters right now, you'll find guys that have been in the league for five, six, seven, eight years that have taken a similar path to Jay Sean Tate. Uh, but it's usually guys like him that have the stuff that is, is required. Uh, he's got tremendous work, at, work ethic. He has NBA defensive versatility. There is no question. And um, I'm thrilled for him. I just got done texting, texting him. I love him as a kid. And uh, I think he's going to have a long career. And um, he'll have to prove it like, uh, like everybody does. I'm 100% convinced he's going to have a long NBA career. Up next, Jacob Benji. Hey, Chris. Um, just with this different season being an empty arena, how important is it going to be to maintain the energy um, from the coaches and from those on the bench? Yeah, it's going to be different, and I think that's, that's going to be critical. Um, players are going to be separated uh, with distance between the chairs, so there's going to be a, a lack of connectivity that you're going to have to fight. Um, I think your the enthusiasm and the energy in the building is all going to be created by um, your group. Um, so, no question, uh, that is going to be something that's going to be important to us, uh, both home and road. Up next, Adam Jardy. Chris, is, is everybody aside from Seth available? And do you know what your starting lineup would be right now? Yeah, I, uh, everybody is uh, is available. Again, we're still kind of evaluating uh, Moose's return and what that will look like. But um, as of now, uh, everybody is available. Uh, as far as the starting lineup, I couldn't couldn't give you an exact one right now, um, or I could, but I won't. Thanks. And final question, Stephen Hellweg. Uh, well, I want to squeeze in two real quick. Caleb Wesson, undrafted. I know the timing with the draft being held in November is unusual. If a guy goes undrafted in July, would you ever be in favor of him if he has eligibility left, uh, some flexibility with the NCAA to allow them to come back? And then the other thing is just three Big Ten teams in the top ten to start the season, and none of them are Michigan State, who's also kind of lurking there. At like 12, and then you guys in Michigan and Rutgers, seven Big Ten teams in the uh, top 25. Just how how big of a slugfest is this going to be the next few months? So those two topics, and if you can cover them, please. Yeah, I would entertain that. Uh, I think those are conversations you'd have with the player um, if he didn't get drafted. You know, typically guys go down that road, and, you know, they're really two feet – committed to that proce uh, process. So you'd have to have honest conversations about uh, them, them jumping back into to your team and summer workouts and, um, and the, all those things. But certainly you'd consider that uh, for sure uh, as a coach, but you'd want to have those, those conversations. Listen, I've said it uh, really for uh, the last year and a half plus that uh, uh, the Big Ten's the best, best league I've ever been a part of. It's, 
It's the best league in the country. It's the best basketball league in the country and deepest. Uh, now we've got uh, we've got to have a a good non-conference. I think you mentioned and rattle off the number of uh, teams that are in the top ten. And clearly, Michigan State should be in there. They're worthy of being uh, a top ten team. I don't think most people think about that or look at rankings. I couldn't tell you right now uh, really what the top 25 looks like. Our concern is um, preparing well here today and tomorrow for, for Illinois State. Uh, the Big Ten will come here soon enough, and I think everybody on this call understands the gauntlet that that's going to be. Um, but we've got a lot of progress to make here on the day-to-day um, before we get to that. All right, that is it for football. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. You. Have a good day. Thanks, Thanks Coach. Coach. Good luck. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Next at the virtual podium is OSU women's basketball coach Kevin McGuff. All right, everyone, we have head coach of the women's basketball team, Kevin McGuff, in a little early, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Please use the raise your hand feature if you would like to ask a question, and if you need recording privileges, go ahead and message me in the chat. So we are going to start with Stephen Hellwagon. Hey, Coach, how are you doing? Thanks for taking the time. Um, Just in general, just your thoughts. I know it's totally dysfunctional putting a team together in the middle of a pandemic and not much of an off season and everything else, just your general thoughts, I suppose, on how it's all gone so far and and how, uh, how close to ready you feel that you are for the season to start. Yeah, it's been quite the off season fall, all that. But um, I think our kids have done a great job. They've really handled this um, as well as you could ever expect um, young people too and they've been as responsible as you can be we've worked really hard I think they've really committed a lot to this point and um, I I like where we are but it's also kind of a scary feeling because you know usually at this point we would have scrimmaged somebody uh, we would have had an exhibition game so there's just still a lot of unknowns and we won't won't really get those answers until we tip it up on Wednesday versus Akron Mm -hmm. and just this is kind of a five mile up in the air question. Um, Ohio State, you know, went to the one final four, you know, a long, long time ago. Yeah. Has dominated the Big Ten in, in a lot of respects in the almost 30 years since then. Just what in your mind, you know, as you continue to build this, are the things you're really working on to make Ohio State a, a, a program that can go deep in the NCAA tournament, get back to a final four, I guess? Yeah, you know, I, we've had some really good teams here, but we we have not obviously been able to to make a Final Four run. And and you know, I feel like right now we have the right players in the program. I really like this group, and 
this group also has been the best team that we've had so far from a chemistry standpoint. And I'm hoping that that may be something that um, is a, is maybe like an ingredient that we just haven't quite had that was strong enough in that area that could be the difference maker for us in the coming years. Um, because this group is really tight knit. They spend a lot of time off the court and I just think their, their kind of love and respect for each other. Uh, I'm hoping is the difference maker for us in the future years. Great. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Up next, Wyatt Crozier. Kevin, you mentioned chemistry in a lot of ways. This group felt like it felt like this was the beginning last year for this group with all the new faces that came in. So what are the areas that kind of need to improve with this group in year two as they continue to grow? You know, from a, like I said, I mentioned the chemistry, uh, but from a basketball standpoint, I think a couple areas where we need to be better this year is just more consistent defensively. And we kind of had that down the stretch last year. And then being a better rebounding team would be two areas where I think we've got to make some strides. And Dorka led the way last year in scoring, but it was a very consistent amount of points for you guys getting from a lot of players on the team. Are you expecting that same level of like even distribution from a lot of your, a lot of your, uh, you know, like point scorers? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we're going to be at our best when we really spread the ball around. Um, the other thing that we, we need to do is make sure we're getting balance in what we do. We can get a little three-point um, happy. And so we got to make sure we're getting the ball around the basket uh, and scoring from the perimeter and getting the free throw line. Thank you. Up next, Jacob Benji. Hey, Kevin, I, uh, I'm curious how you've prepared for an Akron team that, you know, Ohio State hasn't played since 2000. Yeah, so, you know, we we did the best we could in terms of watching film from last year, and um, they've got a lot of different personnel, so that, that part's been a little bit trickier. Um, but, you know, we, we, they ran really good offense last year, so I would assume they're going to stick with that. They did a really nice job, and, and they had a really good season last year, so I know we'll have our hands full on Wednesday. Up next, Patrick Murphy. Hey, Coach. Uh, Steve asked you about the, the difficulties of preparing for a season, but I'm curious, as you get into the season, what you're kind of expecting given, I guess, the unexpected. Coach Holtman's talked previously about, you know, he has a certain number of games scheduled, but he's not sure if those will all get played. What are you telling uh, the, the girls, the team, about that situation and, and how are you trying to, to be flexible as you start this thing? Yeah, it's been really tough because um, I mean, everybody's in the same boat. Like one of the, I get, we have a text thread of about 25 coaches in the Midwest and every time somebody gets a game dropped, they text, they, they send a text out the dates they need a game. And so it's literally every day getting, up-to-date information on who needs games and we've already had one dropped so we're, we're currently looking for one to fill out our the non-conference portion of our schedule and so just as it relates to our players is you know I let them know the information when I get it and by the way we don't even have a Big Ten schedule yet I think it's going to come out today um, but I let them know when I know and then but but really always emphasizing that we're going to have to be really flexible um, things are going to obviously change and some games are going to get dropped and some are going to get added and we'll just have to, you know, kind of go with the flow and that's the way it's going to be this year. Do you think it helps that 
there's been some, there've been sports. I mean, when some of the leagues started to first come back, the NBA, major league baseball, I mean, people weren't sure what this was going to look like. Now we've seen how sports do this and, and, you know, how they can postpone games and things like that. Does that help, especially with the team knowing, okay, if we lose a game, we lose a game, but that's not the end of the world. Whereas before that losing a game, you know, prior to 2020, losing a game was, was unheard of. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. It's, we do have some examples how this thing has worked and and how everyone's had to be flexible. And, and I also think just with our football team playing right now, just some of the stuff that they've gone through, we've, we've learned a lot and, and, I think our administration and our medical personnel have done as, as good a job as you could possibly do. Um, they've done a, just a fantastic job in giving us a chance. And I said, we're just going to have to adjust on the fly and make it, make it work. Up next, Whitney Harding. Hey coach. Um, you've talked about the flexibility. You've talked about the logistics and seeing what other teams have done it's easy to talk about how are you helping the women with their mental health? You said you have a text group with coaches and things. What um, kind of unique things are you all doing to make sure that they stay upbeat during all of this wacky going on? No, it's a great point. And um, that I think the hardest part for us is we didn't, we didn't have everybody here in the summer and I, I didn't bring back anybody who was going to have to live on campus in a dorm. And, and the reason was like, for example, I had a freshman coming from New York city and I didn't want her first experience at Ohio state to be coming to the gym, working out for an hour or two. And then, and then us having to say, you need to go back in the dorm and, and spend the next 22 hours there. I just don't think that would have, to your point, I think that would have been bad for mental health. So as it kind of relates to the summer, we were not together. And I think that was the hardest part for our kids not being around each other because they really like each other. Since we've now got everybody here um, starting when school started in August, our kids, like I said, they've spent mostly just time with each other just so they can do the best they can to try to avoid getting the, the virus. And, and so I think they've really done a great job supporting each other and um, making sure that everybody's okay. I do think it'll be a little bit harder around the holidays too coming up. That's something that we're going to have to make sure we have a good plan for just mental health and so forth. Up next, Wyatt Crozier. Yeah. Through all this crazy times, Kevin, leadership's always important in the season, but have you seen the leaders on your team, more veteran players step up and have to be even more so leaders for this team and in such an uncertain year? Yeah, definitely. Um, Braxton Miller's done a great job. She she has the most game experience of anybody in our program. And so she's done a really good job helping the younger people and communicating them just kind of what we do and how we do it. And and Dorka and Aaliyah Patty also have done a really good job with that as well. So, you know, th those three are kind of our, our upperclassmen have really done a good job with leadership so far. Yeah, and you bring back your entire starting five from last season. Do you have any thoughts on if you're going to run with that starting five to begin this year? Have you made that decision yet? Um, I haven't. I mean, they, they've all played well. So um, they've they put themselves in position to certainly be significant contributors again. Um, and so though, that, that, that could happen. I really haven't made a final determination yet. Probably do that tomorrow. Um, but they've all certainly done a nice job. Okay, that's it for the hands that I see raised. Does anyone want to ask a question? 
we'll do kind of like a lightning round. You just go ahead or we can let Coach McGuff go. Candace, can I ask, uh, Kevin, what's like a day before and now the shoot-around pregame? What, what does that all look like with this, with this change in events? Yeah, so, well, first of all, before we get to any of that, we start with testing. <laughs> so we, we get tested six days a week and certainly on every game day. Uh, our opponents get tested as well. And so assuming that happens, then the shoot-arounds are kind of similar times unless the men are playing and, and we have to adjust that way. And, um, but, but the biggest thing is the testing. Anyone else? All right. Thank you, Coach. Uh, if, I, if I could just ask, <laughs> I see that uh, the AP poll, they've got you in at number 20. Just uh, your thought about that and maybe the Big Ten race as well, who you see is probably the, the toughest competitors uh, year in and year out. Some of those names don't change a whole lot. But uh, I don't know, you're just your thought about where they put you guys and uh, maybe – you know, what to, what to look out for, I guess, in the big 10. Yeah. So I, I, the, regarding the poll, I think based on where we ended last year and who we returned, that's, that's probably a fair place to start for us. And with the big 10, it's going to be a really interesting season because, you know, Maryland has been really dominant and they have a, they return a lot in terms of talent. They lost some, some great kids and did, I guess the biggest difference for them their talent levels the same, maybe aren't quite as deep as they've been, but they're going to certainly be a team that competes for the championship. Indiana returns, I think, their whole roster after having a great season last year, and they were picked first by the coaches, and I think deservedly so. Uh, Northwestern had a great year last year and returns almost everybody. Um, and, and then I think just in general, uh, there are several, there are a lot of really, really, really good teams. I don't think there's one team that can run away with it. I don't think there's one team that's going to dominate the league, but there are a lot of great teams and it's going to be a, a dogfight every night. And I know schedules are in a bit of state, state of flux, but is there anybody in the top 15 that you can definitively say or top 20 or whatever, a marquee non-conference game that you're looking forward to? Um, anybody in particular that you guys have plucked off so far? No, we, um, you know, we originally were going to play in a tournament that was going to have Kentucky in it, who's got a great team right now. And um, that was our biggest non-conference. Now, so we have a lot of really good games that we're trying to play, but, but nobody right now that's in the top 15. Okay. All right. Thank you, Coach McGuff. Have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin.